When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. So welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I take questions of the day and do my best to answer them. Today we're looking at the story of a king in battle who disguises himself and asking the question, what are some of the ways I disguise myself? Enjoy. The battle finally takes place. The Aramites, the Arameans from the north are there. The 32 captains, these may be the same 32 uh, from chapter 20. There's 32 kings that Ben-Hadad, the Aramean king, really emperor, um, brings with him to fight against the northern kingdom of Israel. Here they're called captains. They're not called kings, but there's 32 of them who are in charge of these chariot units. The, the battle is going to be close. Both sides know that. And so Ahab decides, decides to disguise himself uh, as a regular soldier. This does happen in lots of wars and battles. Uh, we, you know, people that don't want to be known as the leader will often pretend to be somebody else. There's numerous stories of defeated generals escaping the battlefield, wearing various uniforms. Uh, Santa Ana being probably the most famous in Texas history, escaping the battlefield in the uniform of a private soldier, not the general's uniform, at the Battle of San Jacinto. But Ahab is disguising himself before the battle. He knows that the king of Aram has it out for him, particularly. Um, even though he's allied with the southern kingdom of Judah and they're going to fight together as one army, uh, the, the reality is that Ahab is the biggest target on the battlefield. And he knows this. And instead of using this to his advantage, um, he takes the coward's way out. He disguises himself. The personal power of a king in battle is the factor between winning and losing in most battles in the ancient world, and even into the modern period. All the way up into the Civil War, um, we still have presidents commanding on the battlefield. Abram Lincoln shows up to several Civil War battles in person, Fort Stevens being the, the one that I recall most particularly where someone tells him to get down off the wall. He's silhouetting himself as making himself an easy target. And someone curses at him and tells him to get off the wall at Fort Stevens. But even in the Civil War, you have this close proximity in battle of leaders. But um, after that, it kind of ends in world history. Very few uh, presidents or prime ministers or kings are on battlefields after the Civil War in, in um, that, that time period. Uh, and yet the, the power of the presence of the king cannot be underestimated that to rally around the king, to defend the king, to fight with the king, to know the king is fighting with you is a really big factor that can win battles and wars. If the king falls, 
is wounded, is dead, then uh, all is lost and your side runs away. Uh, this happens at the Battle of Hastings. Uh, the rumor is that uh, William the Conqueror, the French nobleman who's invading England to be the king, uh, the rumor goes around during the battle that he's dead. So there's this paint, there's this embroidery of him on the Bayou Tapestry of him removing his helmet to show everybody that he's still there. He's still alive. He's still fighting. But Ahab decides to disguise himself before the battle to show that he's not there. He doesn't want anyone to know he's there. Uh, he knows he's the target. And as the battle starts, he says to Jehoshaphat, the southern kingdom leader, he says, you wear your regular king robes, and I'm going to disguise myself as a regular old soldier in a chariot. Um, so Je Jehoshaphat becomes the target. And yet Jehoshaphat is not the target. The, um, the target is on Ahab because the prophecy is on Ahab. The prophecy of the Lord has targeted Ahab long before the battle started. So even while the, the king of Aram and all his 32 captains of his chariots are all saying, don't fight with anybody but the king, try to kill the king. So they target Jehoshaphat, who's the most visible king on the battlefield, when in fact, there's an archer. It says a certain archer, which means we don't know who he was, and it doesn't say who it was, took his bow and fired an arrow, maybe not even aiming it at anybody. And this arrow sails through the air and lands right in the gap of armor of Ahab between his plate armor and his chain mail and goes right in there and he starts to bleed and he collapses at the bottom of his chariot. And he starts to bleed, and the bottom of his chariot fills up with blood. So when they fin finally Ahab says, take me off the battlefield, take me to somewhere I can recover, they do that, and they take him, and the blood drips out of the chariot, and the dogs come and lick the blood, just like the prophet said. Remember the prophet from yesterday? The prophet that nobody likes, Micaiah, who's always bringing bad news? Um, oh, Micaiah, he says, I hate him. <laughs> And it's this great moment in uh, kingly prophet confrontation. This is the prophecy that the dogs will lick up his blood. And so the prophecy is fulfilled. Ahab disguises himself. And this is very consistent with Ahab's character. Ahab is duplicitous. He is a coward. He is a conniving uh, coward who always tries to get what he wants, but always through some kind of subterfuge. Here the battle is upon him, and he's supposed to defend his people, and he doesn't do the one thing that a king can do in this situation, which is lead his own soldiers. And so his line is ended, his family, his um, kingdom, his rule is ended here in this bloody chariot. Uh, and I think of the ways that we dis disguise ourselves sometimes. Um, I used to think of myself as a pretty honest person, like if I found a suitcase full of a million dollars, I would probably return it uh, right away. I'm, the, I'm honest like that. Never really had a trouble doing stuff like that. But I have had trouble really being honest about how I feel about things, um, how I think about things, what I think I can do and what I can't do. 
I've been very dishonest throughout my life about um, my emotional life and and what and who I am and and who I know God wants me to be and those kind of things that I think Ahab is in a very extreme example showing here that that he really doesn't want to be who God has called him to be and there's different kinds of honesty in life and this is the kind of honesty that God wants from us God wants Ahab to be honest about who he is God wants you and me to be honest about who we are to show up in the robes that we are supposed to wear Ahab is supposed to wear his kingly robes and he doesn't because he's afraid and I've been afraid a lot of my life of showing up as myself and saying the kind of things that I need to say um, that are authentic to me. And when we don't do that, um, it's real easy for the stray arrows of life to find us and get us anyway. So the kinds of things that we were trying to avoid by our deception, by our dishonesty, they end up happening to us anyway. And we say, oh my word, how did this happen? And there's Ahab saying it in the bottom of his chariot. How did this happen? I disguised myself. No one was supposed to know who I was. And because there is a larger story at work, God is trying to work with us. God is trying to have a relationship with us. And that relationship has to be authentic, has to be based on us using our authentic voice about um, who we are and what God has called us to do. Sometimes it means we say no. To certain things sometimes it means we say yes to other things um, but it means that we have this relationship with God Micaiah the prophet has this relationship with God and he's sitting in a prison right now eating a reduced ration of bread and water he is the one who has spoken up uh, the, who has spoken the word of God authentically without any kind of uh, trying to sugarcoat it in any way and he is suffering for what he says Ahab who has tried to trick everybody and even trick God has not been able to do so. He thought he could fool God, but God has has a larger purpose at, at work here. The, the prophecy has already been made about what is going to happen to Ahab, and it happens. So we are in God's hands today. God has planned out our days, our lives, what's going to happen to us. Um, and God wants a relationship with us in that plan. Um, and the more we push that away, the more we try to disguise ourselves as somebody that we're not, the harder that relationship's going to go and the more, uh, and the more surprising it will be. Ultimately, our relationship with God is a very simple thing. It's based on God's honesty with us in the person of Jesus Christ that we do suffer on this planet that God is part of that suffering with us on this planet, and that our side of that relationship is us being honest with God about what we're feeling, what's happening with us, our discouragements, our failures, our joys, our triumphs, all those things are part of that authentic relationship with God that God invites us into today um, through the story of King Ahab. Amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, 
and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones. He has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.